Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing, man? Andy, I'm doing fantastic. That is, that's just great to hear. You sound like you're doing fantastic as well. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm excited to have another, another conversation with you. Um, talk about random things and how they relate to UX. <laughs> is that the new name of the podcast? Random things and how they relate to UX. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I like it. It, it has been a while. We haven't we haven't had a brand change in, in quite some time, Patrick. So maybe maybe it's time for that. Yeah, maybe it's time. I mean, in the design world, you're you're talking about every couple of years, right? So it's been what three, maybe four years. Yeah, I think it's been. Oh yeah, we're this is the fourth year that we're so yeah. December of 2021. I, yeah. I believe is going to be our, our fourth year mark. So yeah, we we're ancient in, in comparison to the way the rest of the world works. <laughs> yeah compared to marketing teams you know where they change their brand every six months we're like yeah. way behind well that's their job right like all they really want to do is just rebrand something and once they're done rebranding they're like okay how do we add value <laughs> yeah well that's what i think is really funny about that is because they they go hey we're going to rebrand and then they do they spend you know six months to a year rebranding changing everything updating the website all that kind of stuff right and then the next year they're like hey what are we gonna do what are we gonna do now you know nobody wants to just make instagram ads so let's rebrand again <laughs> well yeah they look at this design they had um that they came up with with the last year and they're like oh man i just really want to change that um you know and then now they get to do an entirely new design again mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's the way it works. When I look at my old designs, when I look back, uh, whenever, you know, I'm looking back at my portfolio stuff and I just look at my stuff, I'm like, okay, I would change this and that and that. So, <laughs> so I can relate to this, you know, like I, I can kind of get, get going with that, but I don't change things yeah. that much with my, my designs. <laughs> and then product designers are just staring at the same old design system for a decade yeah being like oh man i wish these buttons didn't have a gradient on them anymore <laughs> or this drop shadow was so early late 2000s yeah it didn't make any sense but, but we don't do anything about it right <laughs> no it's too it's too expensive right yeah it's like hey why don't we change the color of the button from blue to orange and then everybody's every, you know all the developers in the office that didn't even really hear you they just sensed they just sense something in the air like there's something inside of the air like a like the humidity changed or something they're like wait what somebody said something about changing the button color we're not doing that yeah. and then all the pms in the office are like that's not on the roadmap guys get that on the roadmap and we'll do it i sense some bitterness in you patrick <laughs> no that's just that's just the way it works right like pms are driven by the roadmap Mm-hmm. engineers are driven by you know features and not changing things that, that already exist yeah and designers are just bored most of the time going i don't want to deal with this color anymore <laughs> like we redesigned we redesigned our app last year like last year at this time we released the new redesign we started it you know late 2019 <clears throat> redesigned it we didn't redesign a ton of it um but already like i'm like i think this design <laughs> looks stale <laughs> 
Yep, but good luck. I'm already good like, is this modern that. enough? <laughs> you have to wait five years before you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Got to get it on the roadmap. That'll take. That's right. That'll take a couple years, right? Yeah. Get anything on a roadmap. That's tricky. Well, the, the trick, Patrick, is you have to have some PMs in your pocket. You got to get on the PM's good side, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which, uh, in some cases, isn't an easy feat, right? You got you to do some convincing. Yeah. Get them some donuts or some cookies. Um, mm-hmm. Or, is, Andy, we talked about this in another podcast. Manipulative design, right? right? <laughs> if, I, if I design something, say, not so great on purpose and it gets released, then the customers will complain about it. And then when the customers complain about it, then that's when the PMs will take it seriously. Not when the designer says. So when the PM says, oh, we're getting all these customer complaints, then it's like, hmm, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting that they complain about that. That seems like a horrible user experience. Yeah. Maybe we should fix it. <laughs> that's true. And I think we, we probably need to workshop um, the true art of that. Like, I think there's so much that goes into that manipulative, manipulative design. <laughs> I, I, I'm like envisioning books, um, lots of talks that we can do on, on what that oh, looks man, like. Oh man, yeah, we could go on, we go on TED, TED Talks. Yes, yes. I mean, it's totally acceptable, right? I mean, that guy <laughs> near wrote an entire book about manipulating humans called Hooked that like went all over the place as good design. He passed it off as a good design. Like he did it already with the users. Yeah. Why not? Why not write a book called Tricked? And then it's about how you can trick PMs and developers into thinking that they need to build something that you want them to build. Yeah. Um, that's great. Um, have you read Hooked, Patrick? Uh, I listened to it. I listened you to listen. the audio. That, that counts as reading. I don't know why people don't think listening and reading. I think it's the same thing. It's, it's not the same it's thing. It's totally the same thing. Because what, no. what, what you're doing is you're getting the information from this book into your brain doesn't matter what means it comes through right no you're shaking your head it's 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 totally different it's a totally different medium if i if i Mm -hmm. go if you read somebody's lyrics right that's different (laughs) than when you see them perform a song and sing the lyrics it's totally different okay different experience when i when i when i read a book by myself right like it's a totally different experience than when like you know I don't know, like some some guy you know, with a really smooth voice named Andy Page <laughs> reads a book to me. It's a totally different, totally different experience. Well, how is, you're still getting the same information though. Like you are getting additional information in, in like the tone of voice and like you know the acting right that those individuals do. But at this at the end of the day, like you're still understanding what hooked is, right? You've gone through all. Yeah, of the no, content. no, 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 no. But if I if you just read this, like if, if I'm at home and I'm just reading this this book, A Web for Everyone, which is I'm reading right now, if I'm just at home reading this by myself, this is how it sounds in my head when I'm reading it by myself. <laughs> if you are in charge of the user experience development or strategy of a website, A Web for Everyone will help you make your site accessible without sacrificing design and innovation. Okay, that's how it sounds, right? But if somebody else that's professionally trained to read it to me uh-huh. reads it, they're going to read it like, if you are in charge of the user experience, the development, or the strategy of a website, a web for everyone will help you make a site accessible without sacrificing design and innovation. 
That was see see that difference. No, there there was no difference because you could have done the same exact thing in your head. <laughs> and Patrick, when I read stuff out, like when I read stuff to myself, that's how I read it. Like I have to read it like I'm speaking oh, to a man. human, like I'm presenting it, so that it helps me like emphasize the words and understand the key points of a sentence. And then you can throw in like a British accent while you're at it too to make it even more <laughs> more believable. So it's <laughs> that's exactly how I read books in real life, like physically, and it's the same way that I read books. Um, uh, through audio version. Like in your mind. Oh, through audio? Yeah. Okay, so I'm doing it wrong. What I'm hearing is I'm totally doing it wrong. I need to like, in my head, I need to read this book with like a cool British accent or something yeah. to make it more believable. Just like the author is talking to you. Because then it's oh, going to okay. it's gonna come across like a, not exactly a conversation, hmm. but a presentation. Like it's like this, you know, Patrick British person is, is talking to you. <laughs> And telling you something important about hooked or jobs to be done or something like that, right? And then that's the way you really are able to understand what's going on there. You can't read it like so a robot, what, Patrick. No. So what? Well, that's how I would read it, right? Because that's how I read. But like, you're telling me, and this is mind blowing, dude. You're telling me that I can read this book in my mind and imagine, say, Morgan Freeman reading it to me. Yes. You, Instead of getting the audiobook where Morgan Freeman actually reads it to me. Yes, you absolutely can, Patrick. And we oh, all of us have heard Morgan's voice. Like, he, he lives in our head, right? He's yeah. <laughs> a lot of times... Well, he is the voice of God. I mean, he is, right? should be in everybody's head. When you're making a, a decision, you know, that you have the little angel and the devil pop up on your shoulder. It's typically in, like, Morgan Freeman's voice. At least one of the, one of the characters is. He's usually the angel, right? So, yeah. yeah, I am telling you that is something you can absolutely do. And I'm telling you that as you read, do audio reading or you're doing physical reading, you're going to get the same thing. You get to be able to take away that, you know, the tone of the book, the story they're trying to tell you, the information they're trying to tell you. Same thing, man. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm doing it wrong. I'll read differently. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yes, I did listen to or read whatever hooked. And maybe that's just my justification because that's the way I mainly consume. I read a lot of books, right? And I, that's the way I mainly consume books is through, um, like I, I do audiobooks, <laughs> and that's the best way to do it. And I feel so cool because no, 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 no. I always do See, it. See, I don't, I don't, I don't like what you said there, though. I don't like that you said you read books because to me, like we just had the discussion. But when you say I, I read a lot of books, but I listen to them all, like that's like saying. That's like saying you have a driver that drives you around all over town. And then you tell me that like, yeah, I drive all over town. Like that's, that's different to me. No. Like when you say, when you say I read books, like I'm picturing you reading a book, right? Taking all that time to read a book with like a, you got your sweater on and the scarf around your neck and the fireplace. Like that's what I, that's the experience I see in Andy. When you say I read a lot of books, which means you're sitting in front of that fireplace a lot. Right. But instead, you're listening to books, which is a different. But it's different to me. I don't. The, the end goal, the job to be done of reading a book, Patrick, <laughs> is getting information. I'm getting the same information, whether I'm sitting in front of a fire in my cozy socks, you know, sipping hot chocolate or whether I'm like <laughs> or whether I'm like freaking mowing the lawn and reading a book. And I'm going to keep saying that reading a book while I'm mowing a lawn. <laughs> um, I think it's the exact same thing. The job, the outcome, the job to be done is I'm getting information from one other human put in my mind. So it's it's the same thing, dude. 
Okay, I'm with you, but I'm just going to picture you. I'm going to picture you mowing your lawn with like one hand and you holding a book in front of your face with the other hand. Can you imagine? That's how That's how it's going to go from now on. I'm down with that. I think that'd be pretty cool. If you, even if you had like one of those like the the ride-on mowers, you know, like mm-hmm. you just kind of have the steering wheel there, and you're just holding the book. That'd be sweet. That's an awesome. I that is a life. Goal I think right it's too, there. I think it's dangerous. There's a there's a there's fan blades underneath there, and uh, yeah, I, I, squirrel gonna run underneath there. You're not gonna see it. You're oh, gonna chop it up. That's that's true. That, that, that is. Never you might happened. slip and fall. Your your foot's gonna slide, and I mean, people. People get their legs cut off by mowers all the time because they're reading and trying to mow the lawn at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's I, that's right. I've heard that. Uh, what what are the statistics on that again, Patrick? I think it, I literally think it's like thirty five percent of all Americans. I think that I. <laughs> it's gonna sound horrible, but I think it's actually higher than people who have uh, been infected with coronavirus. I think that's yeah. I think that's the case. Well, and that's that's rough. So um, don't read and mow, guys. Don't read and mow unless it's the way Andy prefers to do it. Um, and I'm speaking <laughs> of myself in the third person, um, which is by popping in some AirPods when you, and listening to somebody telling me. Yeah, sorry. you read, read through your ears. Read through my ears, yeah. Yep. Nice. So, so I think we've learned a lot of things here. <laughs> Patrick, when yeah, you read I a book physically, a you should you should do it in a special voice to help you really learn something, really understand it, really. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Morgan Freeman or yeah, even like like uh, like uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Ooh, yeah, you'll believe like anything be you read fun if book. it's Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> yeah, that's great. This web for everyone, the web for everyone. Uh, read by Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> so that's that's what you're reading right now, Patrick. Web for everyone, huh? Is that is that your? I'm I'm actually reading two books, Andy. Oh. See, I've got a Web for Everyone, All right? Uh, by Sarah Horton and uh, Whitney Quisenberry, and then I've got uh, this this new one. It's new to me. It's called The Making of a Manager. It's the other one. Oh, I want to read that Jim one. Zhao. This is very good. I'm. I. This is just the jacket. It's upstairs, but yeah, I'm a couple chapters in, and it's amazing. Sweet. That's that's on my list. Actually, I really want to read that one right now. Patrick, I am reading a book that I just love. It's called The Jobs to Be Done Playbook. And Ooh. as as a design team on my team at Adobe, we are reading this together, kind of doing a book club thing. And uh, yeah, it has been it's been really sweet. So jobs to be, the jobs to be done playbook. By Jim Callback. Uh, check it out. Check it out, folks. And yep. read it. Um, as you read it, it's a it's not an audiobook. This is like the first non-audiobook I've read in a long time. But mm. as you read it, do it in the voice of Patrick doing a British voice. <laughs> that sounds it's gonna amazing. Be, it's going to be real good. That sounds amazing. I'm going to do that. <laughs> can I Can I read it? Can I read it in a voice where it's me doing a voice of <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire doing Morgan Freeman? Wow. Uh, 
I, that, that I would want to hear that. It could potentially take away from the story a little bit. It might be kind of con- <laughs> might be a little bit confusing, a little bit distracting, but I, w- I would love to hear it because it might be exceptional. Hmm. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, I'm try it. You should maybe you should be like the a- greatest part about imagination is you can do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm looking for it. Send me a clip, Patrick. Um, Okay. I, I want to hear that. I'll send you one. Um, well, Andy, 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 what is our topic today? What's our what's our legitimate topic today? Uh, well, let's you know, Patrick. We should find out what our topic is. Um, pulling up the list. Um, so it looks like our topic comes from friend of the show, Chris Jenkins. Um, All right. Lots of great topics from Chris. Chris, thank you for sending these in. You are awesome. Um, so Chris wants to know, um, he wrote, writes in saying, um, activities that slow designers down. Activities that slow designers down. Yep. Okay, I want to I preface this. I, I, was, I was speaking with somebody the other day. They asked uh, one, of, one of our listeners who's listened to the show, uh, she asked if the topics, when we do the topics, if we prepare the topic ahead of time, like we, do we know what topic it is? Mm-hmm. And I want to clarify um, with our entire audience that we do not. Yes. We have not talked about this topic before. Andy did honestly randomly pick it. This is the first time we're discussing it. So this is real. This is raw. Um, when it comes to this podcast, we do kind of as little work as we can <laughs> to get it out. <laughs> And that, that that aligns with this. Um, we we get a bunch of topics, and we just we don't we don't do research or yeah, um, do lots of uh, talking about it, figuring out all the talking points we want to talk about. No, this is us talking off the cuff about these these submitted the, topics. Yeah, the preparation we do is not some fake preparation before the show. The real the preparation we do is life. That's what we do. Life. We've been doing we've been doing this for a long time combined. And so we, we rely on ourselves, our own knowledge to answer these questions and these topics. We don't prepare some fluffy thing and have like a, like a five you know, paragraph outline ready to go for the podcast. No, we just get these topics and we just chat about them, right? That's right, Patrick. Right, Andy? That's right. Yeah, because we care. We care and we want, real, we want real raw responses. Yes. <laughs> so with that being said, Patrick, what is your raw response to this topic? <laughs> Are you just stalling while you while you do research on this I'll topic? Just, yeah, just stalling while I'm thinking about it. <laughs> what slows a designer down? This this to me is tricky because I think this goes back to the old, well, what's the goal of the design that you're working on? Mm-hmm. Right? Like what is the goal of the design? If I can see a lot of things, if you're just if you're just specifically talking about like, hey, I can I have an idea, I want to design it. Like there's a lot of things within that process that could slow you down depending on where you work, right? Like there's there's we talked about it earlier. There's a there's a backlog of priorities. There's all kinds of you know decisions that way by PMs by engineering and stuff that could potentially slow a designer down. Mm-hmm. But it depends on it depends on how you frame that, right? And how you look at that. Um, so I'm trying to think in my mind like what kind of things would would literally slow you down because if you just have an idea and you sit down to design it. There's not really anything that's going to slow you down. Maybe some tooling, right? Like depending on what tools you use. If you're using, 
you know, I mean, literally, if you're using Photoshop or something, you've got to literally wait for the thing to load, right? <laughs> like that's going to slow you down. You got to go through the credit screen, the PS will show up, and then then you're ready to go. Sure. Um, so that that will actually slow you down. I, um, I think I'll, I'll jump in, Patrick. Uh, one thing that um, that kind of slows me down is, and this kind of goes back to what you were talking about at the beginning, is um, figuring out what the problem is that you're solving for, right? Um, if mm-hmm. you you know that problem, but let's say you 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 get um, you get you see a shiny something shiny that you want to something else you want to <laughs> solve for. So something that has slowed me down in my design process sometimes is if I am I chasing the shiny thing, if I'm chasing the squirrel, um, that's not the main problem. That slows me down because I take time doing working on this other thing that I think is just so fun and awesome, um, which really isn't the end goal. It's not the, the mm-hmm. primary thing I need to focus on. And so that makes the primary goal suffer because I, I'm not taking the time to focus on that first and foremost. Yeah, you're not you're not honed in. You're not focused. Yeah. So distraction. Exactly. Distraction will slow a designer down. That can go that that too. I like that because that can that can go beyond um, the designer themselves, right? Like distraction can be other projects that you're working on if yeah. you're trying to juggle two or three projects, right? Like if you're trying to juggle two or three projects, or you're working on two different you know, with with like three different development teams, their needs can distract you. Right from one project, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and those needs YouTube, can, you know, distraction. YouTube. There you go. <laughs> That's not it. What are you talking about? YouTube's not a distraction. <laughs> um, that that doesn't count, Patrick. But yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like what you're saying, like if you're if you're managing those those different projects at once, um, there's that context switching that definitely can slow you down. So if you're if you're in a design process on one project, let's say you're like in the design phase where you're like actually creating a prototype, and then at the same time, you're also supporting a development team that's currently building something that you previously designed, and they're hitting you up saying, "Okay, I need, I need some answers to this question." You have to stop what you're doing, look into that, look at your old research, ask, you know, talk to some people, and you have to kind of like go from one thing to another. Um, not to say this is a bad thing, but this does slow us down if we're doing lots of context switching. Um, and this is, of course, something that applies to you know even even engineers, even PMs, um, everybody, if you're doing lots of context switching um, with your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, context switching is hard. The distraction, the context switching of that. And I think the other part that does slow designers down in probably a good way is the synthesis of all that stuff, right? So like you go do user research and then you like you want to just get into working on the problem, oh, right? Yeah. But there's there's a there's a large switch of like okay we did all this research like what did we learn what was the insights what was all that stuff all that stuff you have to synthesize down and see what informs your new design and that will definitely slow you down but again i think that's probably more of a positive friction than a negative friction i i would agree with that for sure and that's a really complex part of the design process that is um, that i have found to be challenging for sure because after doing all that research, um, going through it and trying to make a decision can be very daunting and overwhelming at times, for sure. Like, you just see so much information. How do you, you know, drill this down into a decision? How do you drill this down into, you know, key points that you can take away? Um, and there's, of course, many different methods for that. But I, I can definitely attest to, like, 
I'm just like, okay, where do I start? <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I've just been slow and kind of dra- drug, driggin, <laughs> dragged was the past tense um, that I'm looking for. But I, I guess I've dragged my feet before because I've just been overwhelmed at, at tackling the synthesis of that data. So I think that's a wonderful point. So overwhelming, like being overwhelmed can slow you down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm writing these down. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Overwhelmed. Yeah. That's a good one. I think I think one that relates to to that process is is uh um you know requirements, right? Like the delivery of said requirements and the communication of those requirements. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> you know from a PM or from you know, development team or marketing or whatever, wherever we're working, where we're getting those requirements from the, from the, from the client even. Right. Yeah. Like not understanding that say the first time or not clearly communicating what is needed of the designer, right. That communication process that sort of hand off the idea to you, um, right. Can be very time consuming and it's more time consuming if you have to do it repetitively. Right. Like if you, if you're given a set of requirements and you can't clearly understand them and you've got to ask questions and then, you know, there's a lot more back and forth that way. If there's no clear communication, I think that can definitely slow you down as a designer. Yeah. Uh, also on the other side of it with feedback, right? You know, when you're trying to get feedback from other stakeholders and it's not clear, it's not concise, like that can slow you down quite a bit as well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And also, as a designer, if you're not proactive in getting feedback, I think that's a way you can slow yourself down, right? Like, because yeah. I, the opposite of that sentence is like, you can definitely speed up your process if you are getting, if you're seeking that feedback, because um, it helps you make decisions a lot faster. You can see like how people react to the things that you're building and it helps you understand, oh, this is actually the right direction or this is not the right direction. Um, so, yeah, I, I would actually definitely agree with that. That's a, that's a strong one for sure. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you're talking about, like, if you have three weeks, right, you can, if you just sit and design something and make a bunch of assumptions and never show anybody in three weeks, the chances of you having to redo that in that fourth week <laughs> are pretty high versus if you take that three weeks and show them your sketch that first week, right? Like, here, here's what I'm thinking. And they're like, oh, I'll get some feedback. And then you move on to the next one. Like, that definitely speeds the process up. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Awesome. So I think, I think this is an interesting, a really great question that Chris has given us because it helps us kind of understand, you know, at a very top level, like what are the, what are some of the friction points that we have in our design process that we've experienced right in our careers? So I wonder if it would be interesting to um, talk about some ways that we can alleviate some of those concerns or that we can um, you know, make that those processes a little bit faster. <laughs> and we've talked about mm-hmm. some, we've talked about something. So we just talked about one, right? Like if, if communication is something that's slowing you down, like that lack of communication as a designer, um, I would recommend that you be a little bit more proactive about it. And the more you are, the faster you'll be able to go. Um, I, I also can speak to as well, the, the thing that I brought up in terms of like being overwhelmed specifically um, it could be in different, you know, stages of the design process, but specifically with that, that stage of synthesizing all of the, the research data, um, 
what I have been able to do in the past, and of course not perfectly, um, to help combat that is when you're first starting, come out and you're like writing like your research outline, your, your research plan. It's like just asking yourself, what do I want to know? Like, what is the whole point of this research? And if you can summarize that in like one or two sentences, that's a great starting point. So after you have finished all of that research, um, you have tons of data to shift through, sift through. You can look for um, patterns that help you answer those, you know, those two main questions that you addressed or you, you put down at the very beginning of this research. What do I want to know? Um, so I want to know, you know, this and this from the, the customers. I want to know these specific things. Then you answer those questions by looking at the data. That's the, that's the best place to start, right? That helps you find mm-hmm. um, what you're really looking for. And then, of course, from there, you're going to discover new things and you can, you know, you can add more things that you might have learned that you didn't expect to learn. Um, but definitely starting with what you wanted to learn, I think, is a good way to combat uh, that issue that at least I've experienced in my career. Mm-hmm. Do you, that, that kind of reminds me like the whole, the whole concept of like knowing what you're looking for ahead of time. Right. And then when you do the research, you can, it's easily, you can easily pull it out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it reminds me of like the, that, that old TV show where they do the junkyard thing. They give them like an objective and then have them run into a junkyard and like grab a bunch of stuff. I haven't seen this that, one. <laughs> do you remember that? No. It's like an old British show. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but um, yeah, they would give them like objectives and they'd have like 30 minutes or whatever. They have like a time limit. I can't remember what it was to like run out into this junkyard and find all the parts that they need. So everything's like really fast and really rapid and they're trying to like design something on the fly and put things together and they don't really know what's out there. Hmm. Right. Like that's, I think that's how a lot of us approach research is like, here's a project, let's go do research and then we'll come back and we'll see We'll, we'll see if we can build something out of it once we have it. Yeah. Right. And I think to your point that that is slow. That's a very slow process. But your point is more like reverse that. Right. Like go into it, you know, look for look for how this is going to inform the design before you even do the research. Mm-hmm. Albeit like be careful with your biases and things like yeah. that. And then when you're doing the research, then you know how the research actually does inform what you're going to create as you as you're actually doing the research. Right. It's like having a plan in the junkyard of what you're already going to build. Now you just know what you're looking for. Yeah. And that, um, that's really great. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. Cause it's, it's a way to flip it around and save you a lot of time. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of that also helps you combat that bias that you could bring in because it, it shows that you, it kind of lays out what your assumptions are, right? Like you're actually mm-hmm. able to see, you know what that is. And then when you're, when you're all done with your research and you have your key findings, I think it's great to, to even mention that, like, here's what we wanted to know. Here's what we set out to find. Here's what we found, you know, and, and that, that's a great way to tell that story. So that, that can help you s- help tell the story of like our assumptions were actually off. So it's really good we did this research. <laughs> um, yeah. And it, it really gives um, UX a, a lot of value there for sure. Um, so it, it's a great way to to help you focus on, on what you're looking for, as well as, you know, s- summarize that information in the end and be able to tell that story Mm -hmm. going back to what you're talking about with communication and being over not being overwhelmed but the communication collaboration you know getting feedback um and then kind of tying that to the 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 comment i said about photoshop earlier (laughs) andy andy who works for adobe yeah um how dare you i think i think 
the proper tooling for your environment will will definitely speed you up. So, um, and and a good example of this, I think, has just been at Canopy recently, right? We switched over to Figma after a long period of time, mm-hmm. and now I'm kicking myself that we didn't do it three years earlier, and mostly because of the the collaboration and the speed at which they develop their tool, right? But like, the collaboration is great; it's fantastic, and so it actually alleviates two or three of those things that slow you down, right? Mm-hmm. The tools faster, um, you know, the tool itself is really fast. The way the way that it's engineered and built, at least for for a product designer, yeah. You know? I don't know about you know, marketing designers, illustrators, I don't know that side of it, but at least for like a product designer, having, you know, having a built component library, having, you know, variant variations in there, like all the different things that are in that tool itself allow me just to go faster. But then the collaboration side of it also allows me to communicate in a better, more effective way and an easier way to communicate earlier in my process, right? Sharing a link, putting it in a Trello card, whatever I'm using, like having that there, like, you know, we've been using kind of the Trello thing where you, it, it actually puts the picture, you know, it actually puts your your uh, your frame right in Trello so the developers can look at it. Hmm. They don't have to go to Figma. They don't have to, you know, and then using the integration tools that they have just allow us to communicate a lot quicker. And it makes it easier for the designer to get feedback like you're talking about versus, you know, if you're using tools where you're like, well, I got to export this to a PDF and then I got to put it in my, you know. I got to put it in an email and then I got to send it over and get stuck in an email thread. So that's, I think that also helps. That's such a good point. And I've, I've experienced the same thing with Figma because a lot of our, our, our process of, of, you know, creating work, getting feedback on work and, you know, uh, kind of not, not passing off the work. I'm, I'm looking for a different word of like, um, kind of launching the work right with like, um, with development a lot of that like required a lot of different tools and we had to switch from one tool to the other to do all those things. So like before it was like we would design it in sketch and then we'd have to upload it to envision, which was very <laughs> difficult. It didn't always work and links would break and everything. And then, um, as they're like inspecting it, you know, they, they have problems with that. And so there's lots of different tools that we had to use before. And we also had to like manage our files in, uh, in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Figma, I totally agree with you. It's broken down a lot of those barriers because it, it has all of that in one tool. We can communicate very easily. We can share the inf- I can create a prototype so quick in Figma and just share the link without having to interface with other tools and syncing back and forth. Um, it's very quick. And there's the, the, the multiplayer they have in there where designers can all be in the same file messing around with things so we can even do like, you know, design stuff together. And I understand um, just barely they, Figma just announced a new tool, kind of like a a Jamboard sort of tool where lots of different people that aren't exactly designers can get together on a board and collaborate um, in a digital space. So they've definitely really focused on that communication and that has been a really great way to get things done a lot faster. So I 100% agree with you on that one for sure. Yeah. Good on you. Figma. The the the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the distraction and the context switching too. I think a tool like that can help. Um, but I also think you know the distraction part the, that internal like our own internal distraction, our own our own internal need to be like, hey, what if I just did this? Yeah. What if I just tweaked it here? And like, what if I you know what if I moved it over here? Like that that to me is. That to me, the, the best tool for me that has worked 
not only I mean I'm I'm a little bit less of a designer that way. Like I get I get more bored when I'm designing something. Like I get bored quicker than I think some other designers. So I like me, it's just natural. It's just kind of like natural boredom that usually stops me from doing too much of that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like I'm I'm sick of staring at the screen. It's fine. Like ship it. You know, like that's usually what I'm at. But like I I know other designers have used you know other techniques of giving themselves you know a time like a time frame or a time estimate and saying okay I'm gonna I'm gonna work on this UI for you know you know three hours or a day or whatever it is and then I'm gonna get to that point then I'll ask for feedback and then we'll kind of ship it from there so I think I think sort of setting your own boundaries like your your own like being aware that that's what you do and then set your own boundaries is a really great way to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and time box out of design. I also think setting like, like an appointment with somebody to get feedback on your design is critical for that. Hmm. If you know, if it's Tuesday and you know, Thursday you have a meeting with your PM to review your designs. Um, and you've given yourself a deadline that's external that way. That's a great driver also to make sure that you get that design ready and prepared when you need to because you know you're going to you're going to have to give feedback and give it and then have somebody else look at it. Nice. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Giving yourself <laughs> um yeah, that that limitation I think is really great. Um I think something that's worked for me because uh the way I when I'm when I'm in that design phase and that you know prototype creation phase, I I don't do it really fast. <laughs> I'm actually somebody who does like to explore things a lot. And um, I, I try to be a lot more thoughtful about my design. Um, not to say that other designers who can pump things out more quick are not thoughtful. That's just kind of the way I work. So I would say I'm more of a slow person when it comes to that stuff. But um, what I, what has worked for me the best in the past is like understanding like the time frame of a project. You know, because sometimes like, you know, you might get something from mm-hmm. a PM like saying, OK, we just need to start working on this. Like, OK, so um, what <laughs> what does the time frame look like? When do we need to start? Like, when do engineers run out of work and they need this new work to work on? Um, so if you can understand that, it'll give you the time you need um, or the, the understanding you need to, to see how or how much time you can explore. So that helps me. To see, like, if I do need to explore something more, because I, when I'm designing something, I do like to like see, you know, this design in different options, so I can make uh, an informed decision. Um, I can see if I have enough time to do that, or maybe I don't have enough time. I'm gonna try to design the best option now, and then get really fast feedback on it. So, mm-hmm. um, understanding the kind of the deadlines of the entire project and when your work is needed. Um, I think is key as well. It helps you understand uh, how much time you have, really. So you can put your own time boxes on it, um, like you mentioned. Um, it's also under- good to understand um, overall what 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 sort of um, time frame is is needed for this. Yeah, yeah. There's that old saying. Maybe it's not an old saying, but there's that old idea stereotype. <laughs> That a designer will just keep designing until somebody else stops. You know, it's like, it's like in physics, like a thing will be in motion until it hits something else. And I feel like, I feel like that's really what a designer is. Like a designer is just going to keep designing until something external sort of enters its path, right? Until they get a slack from the PM saying, "We really need this right now," or "When is this going to yeah. be done?" Right? <laughs> yeah. Like you can't. Like if 
I've I've met PMs before that get frustrated with their designer. Like as a manager of designers, I've I've talked with PMs. They're like, dude, like I just things don't ever get done. And I'm like, well, are you giving them a deadline? Are you giving them a, a like a time frame? You know? And they're like, well, no, because I want them to have the freedom. I'm like, that's a mistake. You can't. You know, this is like. <laughs> This is like giving a toddler, like, this is like telling a toddler, hey, go to bed tonight, right? Like, you can't do that. You have to go put them to bed, right? They're not going to go to bed unless unless you do it. Maybe that's a bad example. <laughs> but, like, a designer is just like that toddler. It's just going to keep staying up late and keep playing with toys until, yeah. you know, it gets, it gets tired enough and just passes out. And the next day it's going to be crabby, you know, all day the next day, which designers do. I've met some pretty crabby designers sometimes. <laughs> But like they just they will just keep going, right? Unless you unless you time box them or unless you give them my milestone or unless you, you know, you have to set boundaries. You have to set parameters for designers. Yeah, treat treat designers like a toddler. I, I really like that. It's a great takeaway from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean that's that's where I have run into issues with myself, like running chasing after shiny things because I feel mm-hmm. like okay, I, maybe I figured this out. I'm going to go play with this thing for a lot longer, <laughs> you know, um, because I, I don't think I need this. I don't need to submit this or, you know, um, you know, go into the next phase for a while. So I'm just going to play around some more. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's always, there's always another possibility, right? There it's is, like, yeah. it's cause it's an infinite, any design you do is infinitely possible. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. And so, yeah, if you don't have those constraints, you don't have those like yeah sure you're just going to be wandering through space until somebody like comes up and taps you on the shoulder and says hey man time to come back to earth you know like i need that design and then you're like whoa okay which which one of these hundred thousands of designs do you want and then of course that slows you down because then you have more decisions to make right yeah and your so, your figma file is just way too big it can't load you know yeah. it's just I have had problems where where Sketch was unresponsive for me because my files were too big. I had just too many pages in Sketch. And it would take for like opening this file and trying to like make a small change. It's like with like responsive. Like I'd get the beach ball on my computer just like, Yeah. Andy Andy with his thirty seven pages full of hundreds of thousands of artboards. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's happened to me. And like, I've had funny, funny moments when like, I'm like demoing something to engineers and I'm like moving around this huge, you know, cause sketch, like it's, it's infinite, right? You can just put as many artboards yeah. as you want. And it's like a whole galaxy. Like, okay, let me, let me go over to this quadrant, this. <laughs> and they're like, wow, you got a lot there, don't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. So here's the Milky Way. Here's, here's Andromeda. Here's all these, like all these little <laughs> spots of planets out in the middle of your sketch board <laughs> it's so true though and then you've seen i've seen designers put lines around them have you ever seen that i think you probably did that, I've done that where it's like you you, <laughs> you cluster your little andromeda galaxy over here and then you draw like a green line around it <laughs> or put the ice do this you put like the the giant text like the 300 point text uh-huh. of like you know, version three. So that when you zoom out, you can still read that that's version three and that one over there is version two. Uh, I still do that today with my Figma files. Um, yeah, that's how I roll, Patrick. 
<laughs> so good. <laughs> we went from we went from naming files in like Finder, right? Of like yeah. version one, version two A, version PR seven, final version to doing that in the in the thing now, right? That's like true, yeah. We just <laughs> we just cluster them together inside of our artboard, like it's a cluster of frames, and we call that like final version seven. <laughs> Yeah, our design tools just have been too um, expansive. We have way too much space to explore. You know, maybe they should give us limitations. Like you have, yeah. you have, uh, you have five thousand by five thousand pixels to explore this design, and that's it. We're cutting you off. Maybe, maybe it would be better. Well, no, Photoshop has artboards now, huh? Yeah. I was gonna say back in the day when you only had artboards and layer comps were your only way of like versioning. Yeah, the, the single one. Versioning right? yeah. your design. Like, it prevented you. Like, it was a legitimate constraint. It legitimately prevented you from exploring too much. <laughs> Freaking layer comps. <laughs> Trying to, layer comps have their purpose, and it's definitely not for UI design. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Man, speaking of, speaking of things from the past, Andy, I went to... Uh, I went to Taco Bell the other day and got myself a cheesy gordita crunch. Nice. Those did are, you know they're back on the menu? I did hear they're back. And those are... I'm, I'm super stoked about those. Yeah. That's uh, something I had all the time, a long time ago. So, mm-hmm. stoked about that. That won't slow you down. I mean... <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> as, a, as a designer... <laughs> if, you, if you eat too many of those... You probably won't be able to focus. You won't be able to spend enough time at your desk. You'll be <laughs> you'll be doing other stuff. <laughs> oh boy, Taco Bell. Hey, I gotta um since we're wrapping up the podcast, apparently. I've got uh let's do this live, Andy. I got a text message from our friend Michael Nelson. Okay. <laughs> let's let's open it up and see what he right, says. Let's do it. <laughs> he says, "Did you ever watch Thirty Rock?" Nice. Does this guy know who I am? Did I feel like we were friends at one point? But he doesn't understand that Thirty Rock is probably the second greatest television show of all time, and he doesn't know I've probably rewatched it. 16 times by now <laughs> yeah um maybe, maybe he hmm. knew that he just doesn't remember maybe doesn't remember i'm just gonna reply do, do you do you uh i don't remember quotes either so don't even try that with me well there's but like two billion of them rock? i did watch 30 rock i've watched it i think three times now okay i'm gonna reply back with just midnight cheese <laughs> midnight cheese do you think that <laughs> Midnight cheese. Do you think that'll that'll clue him in that I've seen the show before? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Sent. Midnight cheese. You never know. Again, that show is so dense, so full of jokes. That's the best part about it, and that's why you can watch it so many times over and over, because you you miss those mm-hmm. jokes because every other word is a joke. Um. So who knows if he saw Midnight Cheese yeah. the first seven times he watched it through, you know? Yeah, I don't know. He may have missed it. He may have missed it. 
I know he's into that kind of humor because I think he's a, like an Arrested Development guy, right? And a Parks and Rec guy. Yeah. I believe so. he is. Yeah. Have you watched 30 Rock? Come on, Michael. <laughs> it should be... It should be, have you watched it this week? And my answer will be, <laughs> not this week because I'm rewatching uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Nine-Nine! <laughs> I need to finish that. Um, I've, I probably oh, got man. in, I haven't finished even the first season of that show. I think I dropped off a little bit. Really? Yeah. Is it because Ray Holt is too much like you? <laughs> I see, a li- you've said that to me before, and I see a little bit of that, but mm-hmm. not entirely. I don't know. Not, not, I mean, he's, yeah, he's he's more stoic than you. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I, I when you smile, I can actually, I actually know you're smiling. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's 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 a bit of a caricature that way. Yeah, that's true. But uh, but I think I think you, as far as the characters on the show, if we were to say, okay, who's a character on the show? Like Andy and Patrick, who are they on the show? Yes, of I course. think you would definitely be Ray Holt. <laughs> um, I would be Gina. That's what I've decided. Gina, that I am. I'm Gina. What are you talking about? Wait, what's the name of the guy? Um, crap, I'm not, I'm so bad at remembering <laughs> celebrity names. So, the the main protagonist of that show, what's his name? His character's name? Oh, Jake Peralta. That is you. That is you. I can see you are the prankster, the guy who doesn't respect authority. That's you, man. The guy, well, and you're you're Ray Holt. This is our exact relationship. Yes, it, is we're friends, but you're a little bit more serious. I'm more of a goofball, but this works. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think we've we both, we've been told we that both before. care for each right. other. See, have we been? Yes, I. That's that's how I got into the show because somebody had told us that, that we we are those <laughs> characters. I'm like, I should check this show out. <laughs> it was probably me a long time ago, maybe, and I forgot. Yeah, it's a great, great show. That's canceled, by the way. Did it? It didn't get to finish. It just got canceled. That's rough. I think. I think it has one more season. Maybe I can't remember what the news was. Okay. I mean, the thing had like nine seasons, eight seasons. It had a great run, so it's not like. Oh yeah, that's plenty. You shouldn't feel too sad. Yeah. Plus, the last season was a little rough. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was the best work, you know. Yeah. But like all good things need to come to an end, Andy, and this podcast should probably come to an end. Yes. I mean, this this episode. This episode, yeah. Not the podcast. Yeah. Um, we still have 20 more seasons. And the trick is we don't actually have seasons. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it's going to go forever, man. But yeah, let's... let's it's one, one long season. One long season, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we should probably... Um, Put our, our listeners out of their misery and let them and finish the, the episode. Let them go on with their lives. Are you kidding? They're probably they're probably just getting warm right now. They're probably just like, man, I wish we're like 50 minutes in. I want this thing to go another 50 minutes. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. They're like, they're like, can we get the two VHS of this episode? Like the old Titanic movie? Can we get <laughs> can I have two VHSs of this thing? Not just one? Wasn't Titanic no that wasn't that like the DVD era though? I'm sure there were VHSs because it was kind of in the transition, like, but I feel like it was a DVD more. People had DVD I mean, players back rem- then, right? Yeah, but I think they weren't they weren't as popular back then. You right? don't think so? Because that's like mid '90s. I mean, I remember having, I remember having the two the two uh, VHS tapes. 
Okay. Okay, that's let's like see. Right in the, that's like right in the change. Yeah, DVD started like 95. Um, and this movie, uh, Titanic, uh, was 97. So, yeah. I think yeah. I think it was it was in that transition and probably still definitely more on the, the VHS side of things because it was definitely a slow and expensive transition. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's the movie industry. They're always three. The movie industry, by its nature, is not is not an early adopter. No, <laughs> like there's there's still there's still directors shooting in film today, you know, because they think it's better than digital. Yeah, so it's that's like, true. The you know these guys are. These people are, lo- are are slow adopters. So when DVDs came out, they're like, "Nah, it's tape." <laughs> yeah. Analog. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm, I thought it was a good conversation. Uh, what slows designers down? I thought we had some good topics. Those things make sense. And then the stuff that we the the resolutions. You know, you brought up uh, all kinds of great resolutions. So yeah. Hopefully we answer that question uh, well for Chris. Yeah. I think we did. Me too. Let's let's put a Okay. Close the book on that one. Okay. Okay. Bye Andy. <laughs> Bye Patrick. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contact and fill out the form. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.